Hello and welcome to Green Destinations, Immigrants, Vancouver, and Sustainability Politics. I'm Logan. And I'm Jesse. And today we are going to delve into immigrant perspectives on sustainability politics. We are going to be featuring my dear uncle David, who is going to share his thoughts as a first generation immigrant on what he thinks about the Green Party and its platform. I'm just going to introduce you to people who don't know you, who are okay. going to be listening soon. So you're part of my family, you're my uncle, and you've lived here. And we sometimes talk about politics, whereas the rest of my family doesn't really talk about politics. So we'd like to dive into that a little more um, and talk about immigrants and their involvement in Canadian politics, which is what you're starting to touch on. So just as like an introductory uh, conversation, just tell us a little bit about your history in Canada, when you moved here and how long you've been here as well. Like I, I was originally born in Hong Kong, so I immigrated to Canada in 1973 when I was 16 years old, and I finished my high school in North Vancouver, and then I did the one year at UBC, and then I did two years at the PCIT, and then I've been working since then until I retired last year. So um, I got a diploma in marketing management. Okay, um, and I worked for, when I first graduated, I worked for the Hudson's Bay Company. And then I got laid off because in 1982, the, the, the business just fell off the market and, that, and they laid off a lot of people. So I went back to school to finish my degree at SFU. And halfway through that, and I was hired by London Drugs. So, and then instead of finishing my degree, I just I started working for London Drugs until my retirement. I'm a little bit different than most Canadian or Ch Hong Kong Chinese who immigrated to Canada. Um, because my brother lives in North Vancouver and I moved to live with him. And North Vancouver at that time don't have a lot of Chinese. Like in my high school, there were maybe three Chinese, and all three of them are Canadian-born. So they're not Hong Kong Chinese. And I hang around with um, people who don't speak Chinese. And I hang around with people who has Canadian culture. Uh, and especially my two good friends, one is Italian background, one is a British background. And, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the Italian culture and I learned a lot about uh, the British background um, and how they live and, 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 their, and their, their culture. Which is good because if I were to uh, finish my high school in, in Vancouver, I would have gone into a school that would have a lot more Chinese and they always tend to link together. They always tend to hang together, which I don't agree. Not that because you shouldn't hang around with Chinese because you're Chinese. It's because you don't learn anything new. Okay. If you keep hanging around with the people that are from Hong Kong, you keep doing the same thing. They might, you might as well stay in Hong Kong. Why move over here? So to be able to meet up with other culture, you learn a lot more. You learn more English in, in the first place, and you learn a lot more about the world because of uh, people who live in different culture. 
Um, so I was fortunate to be um, finishing my high school in, 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 in North Fen rather than in Vancouver. That's, that's my take. Uh, as to politics, okay, uh, I have often, I have always involved with politics because I believe in one thing. The day that you lose the right to vote, you're turning into nobody. So since I have been able to vote, meaning once I got my, uh, my citizenship, I'm allowed to vote federally, I have never missed a vote, okay? I have never missed a chance to vote, and I'll never give that up. Because to lose that, you lose your right. To lose that, you lose... You, you stop being a first-class citizen, you turn into a third-class citizen because you have no right to, to the politics. You have no right to who runs this country. And at that point in time, they can treat you like anything. So that's... But I found that a lot of new immigrants, first of all, they don't spend the time to, to look into politics, to understand it, uh, to find out more and to discover what the government can do, the, what the government can cannot do for you. So they just say, oh, everything is fine. So I don't have to vote. Other people can vote. As long as I get employed, as long as I make money, I buy my food and everything, I get my house, that's okay. Different cultures think of it differently. For example, East India, as I mentioned before, they tend to be more involved with politics. Uh, they have more people uh, that are in prominent position in parties, in, in political parties, than Chinese does. Chinese, once in a while, you might have one or two in the, in the provincial politics, or once one or two in 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 in, in federal politics, which is which is nothing. Consider the the number, the population we have in Chinese, in, in Canada. So uh, I don't know how that can be improved, but that's the reality that I can see right now. Yeah, that's really good. So what do you think are the big barriers or challenges that are kind of keeping Chinese immigrants from engaging more with politics? Chinese has a problem, okay? <laughs> Not a problem, but culturally, culturally, from the years before, because I studied Chinese history when I was in Hong Kong, China has never been a democracy. Mm. Has never been. Up to the Qing Dynasty, from, from the first, uh, the Tang Dynasty to the Qing Dynasty, has never been democracy. There's no democracy. There were a very brief democracy with the KMT, but that wasn't really much of a democracy. And then you move on to the communist government. Okay. So Chinese has never really been involved in politics. They've been told what to do. So meaning, Logan, if you don't do this, we're going to put you in jail. And, and that kind of stuff. They've always followed the emperor as the one person who runs the country, who owns the country, so everybody should obey. And Chinese is very good at following that kind of rules. Okay? Even if you look at the Communist Party in China right now, 
If you look at the statistic, about 90% of the people are happy not being in the in, in democracy. In, in, the, in the communist country, they're happy. They're happy with the government. That's why it's very hard for Chinese China to run a country that size with that population if the people are not relatively happy. How, do, how, how, how are people relatively happy? They get food to eat. They got a place to stay. They got money to spend. They can travel. That is luxury. Okay? 50 years before, most of them can't can even find food to eat or, or have enough to eat. But now they have all these things. And then the Western always say, why, why isn't the Chinese people going against the communist country? Why don't they embrace democracy? Why don't they knock the, 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 the communist party down? Well, why should they when they have food to eat, when they have houses to stay and they have good living standard, there's no crime to speak of. So why would they turn that away? When they look at, say, the democracy, democratic country like U.S., and they're in a mess. So why would somebody seek a, a system that is not working? And that's part of the reason. But China, again, going back to politics in Chinese involvement in politics in, in, in Canada. Because, because culturally, Chinese are just not involved in politics because of our history. So they are good at, you know what? It's running fine. The country is running fine. Let's not get involved. Just let it go. Okay. That's the way Chinese are. You don't see very many of them go out and protest, except those exceptionalists who protest in front of the Chinese embassy against the Hong Kong, whatever, rioters. But aside from that, you don't see many Chinese come out to, to, to protest or, or being political. Right. Would you say that that speaks to the priorities of a lot of immigrants in Canada, especially Chinese? Because yes. they are satisfied with everything that they have. They don't see a need to be more engaged in Canadian politics. If they have adequate living standards um, that meet, that make them satisfied, they don't find like a, a really big urgency to get involved in like bigger issues that cover the entire country. Well, they, I think they see that the point that there's not much they can do. Not so much of they don't want to do something. They, 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 don't, they don't believe that there's a lot they can do to, to, to change the situation. So as long as they are relatively happy, they're relatively free, they're relatively uh, uh, comfortable, it's okay with them. Right. They, they won't say, go on, stir the shit, basically. Chinese are not big at making a stain of things. Right. Okay. That's really good. Um, so given all this, what are your political priorities? What do you believe are the most important goals of the Canadian government or the BC government in today's political climate? Depends on what age group you're in, depends on what part of your life cycle you're in. I'm retired. Okay, so I'm looking at political parties 
who's going to look after me? Meaning, is social is a conservative conservative going to increase the the pension plan, uh, increase the OH security? Is it going to do that or maintain it at least not not cutting it back, or how how much more tax deductible item I can, I'm going to have? I'm looking at that because I'm at my age. I'm retired. I want to have as much income, disposable income as I possibly can, instead of giving it to the government. So that's my priority. But if you are, say, 20 years old, 25 years old, you say, well, shit, you're giving so much money, excuse my French, you're giving so much money for, for the, 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 the seniors. Well, what happens when I retire when I turn 60? I got no money. So you should cut back on the amount of money you give to the senior. So they think differently. Their priority is different. Okay, so my priority is different. I'm looking at a much shorter term because I got, what, 20 years to live, 30 years to live? I want to be able to get more money back from the government from the money I invested from years of working. So as people progress in age, their desire, their needs are different. So it depends on where you are. But that's why I tell you, at my age, my pension, my OSH security, my deductible are very important to me because I need to be able to, to survive with the money I retired with. Same thing with healthcare. Like, am I going to have to pay for healthcare? How much, uh, how much drugs deductible am I going to have? You know, I just went to London Rust to do a printout on how much money I spend on prescription drugs to do my, uh, to do my tax return. So that's important to me. So how much money I can deduct to get my money back? So we want to focus a little bit more on the Green Party. Okay. So what are your general impressions of the Green Party? Either it's federal, the Federal Green Party or the BC Green Party. I'm not a very green person. Okay, I'm, I will follow all the rules of garbage and things, and I will separate my garbage. I'll do my thing. But as to... Uh, I'm very much a green person. I'm not. I'm not a Green Party follower. I'm not a a Green Party supporter. Okay. Um, my view is that basically there are two parties in, in, in BC. There's your NDP and there's a Liberal. Okay. Either one of them is in together. The Green is just going to sneak in in the middle. Okay. And then okay, if they come get close to a minority, he would they were trying to lean one or the other side just to get some of the agenda through. So if NDP decided, okay, come over to me, I will let you have this, let you have that, let you have that, okay? Or the, or, 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 or the liberals is, okay, come over to me instead. I will give you this, I'll let you have a, I'll let you have a caucus position and, and that kind of stuff. So to me, it really doesn't do anything except uh, to enable, to enable a minority government to exist. Okay, to me, I don't find it very beneficial for the society. That's what you call the necessary evil. Okay, in Canada or in a democracy, I find that for it to exist, to, for, ex for it to exist um, uh, successfully, you have two extremes. Okay, 
you have your liberal who is one side of the extreme, and then you have the conservative. Okay, you're liberal and basically NDP at the same, pretty close to the same thing. Okay, so the conservative really doesn't exist in BC. So you have two polarity that pull, and hopefully because of the pull, we ended up in the middle. Okay, so we're neither too far left or we're not too far right, and that's how it has been going for the last so many years that I know, in the federal or in the provincial. Okay, everybody is trying to get into power. That's the important thing. Okay, they lie, they cheat to get into power. They、uh, they tell you things that they would do they, that they don't, and and either but they were trying to exercise their agenda as much as they could, but they don't always win. And green tends to snuck in the middle. And get things done without getting a lot of people elected, because in the minority situation they carry a lot of weight. Because okay, if I side with NDP, I get this and I get this and I get that. So I got my agenda fulfilled, even though I only have four members in in the legislature. So rightly or wrongly, so I don't know. How do you think? That's really interesting because, like, even though climate change has become more of an urgent issue, there seems to be a lack of initiative from either party. Well, either、uh, ma- major party in Canada, either, either the Liberals or the Conservatives, like it's in their par-、uh, party platform to address climate change. But、um, do you think that because the Green Party focuses Um, and centers their platform around climate change, and many immigrants are more, and regular Canadian citizens are more interested in the、um, economy. That's why they haven't been as successful, and that's why they haven't been able to push as much as their agenda into the legislature. In my opinion, Chinese are not very green. Okay. Chinese basically are not very green. Walk around and and, and watch the behavior. Okay. Chinese will only do what they have to do when it comes to green. They're not very green. They, they, if I'm a green party, I certainly won't spend a lot of effort trying to turn the Chinese into green because they are just—it's <laughs> an uphill battle. That's my only opinion. Okay, that's my opinion. I may be wrong, but I just don't think they are. The percentage of Chinese to support the green—you know what Chinese to support is that you know money, stability. Okay, they you know you know what they look at. Oh yeah, okay, we will all vote green. So you know, like that's all they care about is the climate change, environment. What about business? What about housing? What about welfare? Any what about any of that? Are they are they gonna you know who's gonna look after that? If their priority in life is just to make sure the 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 air is clean, the tree is good. Okay, so 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 what? So all those things are perfect. I can breathe fresh air every day. I walk out there, and and and, I, and and all the business has gone downhill. I don't have a job. I have no welfare. What 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 is that going to do for me? You know what I'm saying? It, it's just you need you need to have a more balanced portfolio. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But even I'm going to spend seventy percent of my effort 
of cleaning the earth. And then I can tell you, okay, what about China? They have a major small problem. They have major uh, um, uh, um, environmental issue. Well, we can keep improving ours and their smoke is blowing over this way. What is that going to do? Right. Okay, the state is not, not very good either. United States, they have a huge amount of pollutions. Do you think that Green Party can't even get one seat in the Senate or the Congress? So the Chinese are very pragmatic that way. They say, well, okay, so I vote for you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do for me? Okay. So based on all of this and... But one of the things that have been happening for the past few years is that the Green Party in BC and Canada, they've been making progress very slowly, but they have been making progress, gaining one or two seats every three or four years. Do you think that this trend will eventually, either in the immediate future or in the long term, um, attract more Chinese immigrants? What do you think Chinese immigrants in Richmond and in BC will continue to stay away from sustainability politics? I think it's an uphill battle. I think your marginal gain for the effort you put in, is not there. Right. You know, you hear what I'm saying? From the amount of effort you're trying to recruit the Chinese into the Green Party and your actual result I don't think it's, it's there. I don't think you, you would, um, like if you say, say if you, you put an effort of 10 to, to try to gain 10, 10 new Chinese Green Party person, okay? The same effort, you can probably get 20, 20 white guys up there. So I'm not so sure you would, spent that kind of effort into getting that kind of support, that kind of result from the Chinese community. Because, first of all, the Green Party isn't well, well, well moneyed. They're not, they don't have a lot of money. They don't have a lot of lobbyists who, who, who give them a lot of money to, to help expand the party. With the little they've got, I certainly wouldn't spend the money in Chinese. I don't think. I would go for the population that's more accessible to my thinking. Certainly not the Chinese. For sure. That's my opinion. Yeah. Okay. It, uh, it's just that, Logan, let's say you have a hundred bucks to invest, okay? You can invest in bank stock, you can invest in, in, in oil and, and gas and all that. And, and you can also invest in the Green Party. The Green Party will give you 1% return. Okay, what would you do? The other place, the other, the other guy you invest will give you a 10% return. Where would you put your money? You're not gonna put your 100 bucks in the, in the Green Party. They'll give you a buck return. You'll probably put in some, you know, you might still give them some money, but certainly not, not the biggest lump sum. Okay. All right. So I 
So then after this, I guess I just have one, I guess we just have one final question. So given that you think that there's not much benefit that comes out of the Green Party because they have such a small president presence in the political fabric of Canada, do you think it would be more worthwhile? Because like, let's face it, climate change is still a very real issue. And no matter how... And I believe that. Yeah. And I agree with you. Yeah, and no matter how much economics um, prospers, it's still a really pressing issue. Do you think um, it would be more effective and efficient for bigger parties such as the Liberal Party, the NDP, to press, to push more action towards um, resolving issues around climate change than having a separate Green Party that advocates for those issues? No, because I still think there's a purpose for the Green Party. And I think they can get a lot more done being what it is. When, when there, there, there is a tight race between two parties because they, they are the one, they are the kingmaker. When they're the kingmaker, they can always get a, you know, let's say the 10 issues they want. They'll get two or three of them through because either of those parties will give them the two, three pieces to get into power, right? But if they just say uh, they are within the Liberal Party or within the NDP government, they don't. They don't have a half or anything near that kind of power. Because if they have, if they have the power to be a kingmaker, they have a lot of they have a lot of uh, asset. They have a lot of equity in the in in, in the power to to make things happen. And 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 that's what Green Party did in the last last two elections. They managed to do that. Not the last one. The last one because they got wiped out. I mean, they didn't get wiped out, but the NDP got the majority, so they don't need the Green Party. Right. Okay. Thank <laughs> you so much for this. You're welcome. So that was interesting. We really enjoyed that conversation with Uncle David, obviously, and we think we learned a lot. It's really interesting to see perspectives that are very different from our own, and this is obviously a very important step for us to really get anywhere with the topic because at the end, East Asian immigrants are the subject of this problem and that's what we're trying to figure out. Yeah, and I think um, everything that Uncle David told us uh, confirmed what we initially thought in our hypothesis that we mentioned at the in the very first episode about... Um, and when we were looking at the reasons why uh, the Green Party was so unsuccess- unsuccessful in the writings in Richmond and those that contained populations of East Asian immigrants. In addition to that, I think it's really interesting that Uncle David's perspectives kind of reinforced our intuition that Chinese immigrants tend to see politics more as based on power and interest, rather than how the progressive Canadians have now framed it as more based on morality and ethics. That is a point that I think will pose significant barriers to 
sustainability politics, especially since the problem with sustainability is essentially that power and interest are too much relied on as instruments of politics. Yeah. So one thing that I found really interesting in our conversation uh, with Uncle David was how big of an impact East Asian culture played um, not on, in not only their perspectives of um, politics in general, but also um, their their priorities in politics. So this is what you talked about um, on what they thought about politics and their approach on it. But um, I also thought that what Uncle David said about how East Asians are just very comfortable with being sufficient and they're if they're able if they can provide for themselves that's all they need and they don't really see a reason to get involved in politics any further um so i think that was also really interesting well this has been really great and we're really excited for our next episode as well where we'll be talking with our high school environmental science and biology teacher Ms. weber We will see you in our next episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. Bye.